Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Lindergaard making Morris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to Glover's Cast number 152. If you listened to Glover's Cast 151 or 150, 49 or probably any of them from this season, it's probably not going to be that much different. So if you uh, if you do want to uh, tune out now uh, and not listen to us complain about the fact that Yeovertown can't score a goal, then... Um, Uh, feel free but if you do want to hang around then we are joined today by my other fellow Glovers caster Mr Ben Barrett good morning Ben so basically we want people to leave a five-star review first though download it get the numbers up five-star review but then if you want to disappear crack on we know you've got busy lives to lead it's fine (laughs) yeah and you don't want to just hear uh, Groundhog Day come back down again (laughs) do you so uh, yes so Ben is here. Ian, unfortunately, is not. He has a uh, a mini hurricane to look after in his living room. That is his son, not um, an actual weather system. But to speak to someone who actually was at Hewish Park today, we have invited a long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome to the Glovers cast, Mr. Christopher Fox. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? We're all right. Yeah, well, I think we're all right. But uh, you are the one who took your position, I'm guessing, on the Thatcher's stand for oh, yesterday's home game with Grimsby. I did, and probably I'd wish I'd probably stayed at home, to be honest <laughs> with you, after the performance that I saw yesterday. But uh, yeah, I was uh, unfortunate enough to uh, to watch the game yesterday, and uh, I've got the call up today. So thanks very much for uh, inviting me. No, thank you for coming on. You did dodge a bullet on Tuesday night, didn't you? Because you missed the uh, Dagenham game, I think I'm right in saying. 
I did, yes. I wasn't uh, I wasn't very well on uh, on Tuesday, so uh, I decided to give that one a miss. And uh, by the sounds of it, I was uh, very glad to uh, to miss that, especially looking at the highlights of uh, that performance. Yeah. Also, low light you, of that. Performance. I was going to say you you missed forty five seconds of people clapping. That seemed to yeah. be most of the highlights, I think, from that day. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but you know, if you want us to clap, we can we can do that. You can fill that void for you. So. Um, <laughs> So, yes, well. And by the sounds of the numbers as well, you weren't the only one who decided to miss out on Tuesday night either. It Correct, seemed, yeah, it it seemed just, quiet. It, was, what, was the, what was the attendance yesterday for the Grimsby? Uh, it was 2,400, 2,400 around two, 300. Two, um, two, four, two, 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 it was, yeah. Which and I was were, quite surprised about, to be honest. Was that, it was that the actual number? 2,422. Two, two. 2,422 was the exact number. That's the exact number given. How many people were in the building? Oh, uh, did you know? Did you not count them, Foxy? Come uh, on, you knew yeah, you were coming I lost on. Count after about ten, so um, <laughs> you know my math skills aren't. Uh, you ran out of fingers, great. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there wasn't two thousand four hundred there. Not at all. Not at all. So it was very empty. In, it was empty in the. It was pretty empty in the Thatcher's Gold, I'd say, um, and either side on in both both um, seated areas, it was. Quite quiet. There was um, obviously quite a few um, people, you know, ch- kids there from for the, um, you know, the women's Women's Day uh, yesterday, which was really good to see. Um, but apart from that, there wasn't really a lot of people there. I would say the atmosphere was also very, um, very low. Well, that was going to be my next question, really, because. Um... Yeah, how how did it feel in that Thatcher's stand? Because at the end of the day, Thatcher's stand has always been relatively good, I would say. Yeah. I'm trying to blow our own trumpet. It has always been fairly good. There's always a bit of banging. There's always at least an attempt at trying to get something going. What what was it like? Was there was there a feeling of apathy? Was there that effort to try and spark a little life into proceedings? Um Honestly, I was chatting to my dad um, about it because we were we were wondering why you know how what the why the atmosphere was so, sort of so low and it honestly felt like it was an end of season game. You know, one of those like, couple of, couple of games to the end of the season. Neither team had well, especially us at the moment. We've got nothing to play for, um, and it just felt that people were turning up for. Um, just to see the, the last game of the season as such. So wasn't really a lot of chanting. And to be honest, um, well, I'm sure we'll go into it. There wasn't really a lot for the fans to get behind. Um, and it just felt like an end of season game, to be perfectly honest with you. There was, it was very, the, the fans were very subdued, it felt. And that probably stems from a lot of, uh, a lot of things I'd say, either, you know, from, Obviously, what's going on with the results at the moment on the pitch, but also what's going on off the field as well. Yeah, I mean, you have to go back to the 1st of February since Hewish Park last saw a home goal. Um, It's going to be a reoccurring theme, isn't it? But let's talk about, first of all, the team news. Ola Mola was back in the lineup, was back up front. He had what looked like a Wakefield alongside him. Was it a, a simple 4-4-2 four, four, with a diamond formation? Was there a third person up front? Just 
paint the picture as to how we lined up first and foremost yeah. at the start of the game? So um, we'll start with the forward line then. So it was it was um, Ola Mola and, and Charlie Wakefield up front, but they were sort of playing in a wide up front. So even okay. Eve, both of them were sort of quite wide uh, in their positions. So Ola Mola was, was set out on the left and Wakefield was set up on the right. And then playing in the diamond position, which, I, you know, when we saw the team, I was expecting Lawson Diaz to line up in that diamond, in the top of the diamond role. Um, but it was Matt Worthington. Um, and he sort of lined up there. But um, in the personal opinion, I didn't think he really did very much in the whole game. Um, he seemed a little bit lost out there. He was sort of getting a bit bypassed in the in that midfield early on. Um, Again, obviously we you know we started okay, but um, obviously we then conceded the goal pretty early on, which we'll go into. But it just felt that we were putting again, as we've said, sort of said before, sort of square pegs in round holes a little bit. Really, Wormington sort of was in that diamond, but didn't really wasn't really noticeable, shall we say? A strange one, isn't it? Because because we do have a round peg for a round hole there in Lawson Diaf in in that more attacking role, whereas Worthington you would think is more of a engine room kind of midfielder, isn't he? As opposed mm. to a, you know, a creative um, outlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like Lawson Diaf was sort of was part of um, was on the left hand side of the midfield with. Gorman on the right with Staunton sort of basically sitting in in the in that just in front of the defence really. Um, he was actually was, stood up for some of the game, was he? Yeah, he wasn't sitting the whole time. Well, no, he he was stood up. He was stood up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. But it, it just felt it, it just felt a bit strange to sort of see Worthington being put in that role. Worthington's more of a an end. You know, He's more of a workhorse, he's more of an engine sort of player. And for him to sort of, you know, he was running around and trying to make space, but without really getting the ball, um, really. It was only when we sort of changed it after half time where he moved back into a sort of midfield role, a centre midfield role, that he sort of got on the ball a little bit more, I'd, I'd have said. What was the wind like? Because that was mentioned quite a lot on, on, the, on the commentary. And I know when I asked you before the game, Foxy, for the match report, what the weather was like, you described it as a beautiful spring day with a, with a bit of a chill in the air, which was quite poetic, I thought. But, um, uh, but it did sound like the wind did, did play a part. And watching the manager interview after the game, his, his air was blown around quite a bit. So that was the, was the wind a factor and it was in our favour uh, in the first half? I, I would say so. Um, and to be honest, I would say it's probably against our favour in the first half because um, I know the wind was behind us. It's The wind obviously had picked up um, after it arrived in, in the stadium. But in the first half, we had the wind behind us and it just felt that we struggled with that. Um, we... Again, um, as we've done all season, we sort of aimlessly sort of punted balls over the top into the channels for sort of Charlie Wakefield to sort of run onto and a bit of and, and Fella to run onto. But 
we were just overhitting them. There was Gorman, Staunton, Wilco. They were sort of punting hopeful balls over the top rather than um, Grimsby were sort of, when they were attacking, they were more proactive and they were sort of more, you know, they, they were players demanding the ball and they sort of had a purpose for their um, their plays. Well, our purpose, was, we didn't seem to have a purpose. We sort of just hoped something was going to um, become of um, become of it. So there was one early on, um, I'm not even sure if it classed as a shot on goal, but I can't remember who played the ball over the top, but um, Charlie Wakefield ran onto it on the right-hand side and drove in and sort of, it was a cross, cross shot, which you keep comfortably had um but that was sort of our only outlet it felt like we didn't really have a plan you know we didn't have a you know you would have thought with the wind strongly behind us you would have thought right let's get the ball on the deck let's get Lawson Diaf involved in it um where he would have probably been better in that attacking midfielder role playing balls into his feet for them for him then to sort of spread balls out to, to the two strikers because that was really our only outlet with the, the fullbacks that we had yesterday. We didn't have any sort of fullbacks that were going to run past the midfield um, where we've had in the past, where we've had Dan Moss um, and Jordan Barnett sort of coming on the outside and making, making more space and, you know, creating an extra man. With Morgan Williams and Mark Little, um, I don't think they crossed the halfway line right. unless it was taken. Unless it was taken throw-ins. And you say about those um, long, long before. I mean, one thing you say about Dale Gorman is he, he is actually a decent passer of the ball, isn't he? And there's not too many times where he, um, uh, where he, I mean, was the window factor in that? Like you say, if you're going to punt the ball forward into what was being described as a blustery wind, it's yeah, fairly obvious yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, quite, poss- quite possibly. Like Gorman was overhitting those sort of passes mm. and they were just running out of either play for a throw-in or they yeah. were going back to the keeper, going for a goal kick. Um, especially after they scored um, their goal, they were in no rush to, um, to hurry the game up. As such, but um, it just it just felt that we, um, you know, we just didn't have any ideas. We had a lot of the ball. Um, we had a lot of the ball, um, and we we were trying to create chances, but we just there was a lot of huff and puff. But um, they blown the house we, down. We didn't we didn't blow anyone houses down. No, <laughs> no well, not that much wind. <sighs> Let's talk about the goals, Sean Scannell. And I'm not saying the other guy's name. No chance. Um, nine minutes in. We had a chance very early on, I seem to recall from the commentary. Charlie Wakefield had a, a, a pot shot, a shot that kind of made a, you know, a bit of an impact very early on, minute, two minutes in. Yeah. Is nine minutes the earliest sucker punch we've had this season? Because we've had a couple of sucker punches. But did the whole place just kind of go, here we go again, when we went one yes. down? Yeah, I would say so. Once... Uh... Like, see, that was the, the moment I was talking about with Charlie Wakefield. It was sort of, although it might have been described on the radio as a sort of a pop shot, it was sort of a, a cross as such. But, um, yeah, nine minutes in, once, uh, see, 
with the goal, Sean Scannell got picked up the ball on the on the on their right, so our left hand side. Um, he sort of breezed past Morgan Williams like Morgan Williams wasn't there. Um, we, you've said it a number of times on the podcast. I've said it probably to both of you on a number of occasions uh, elsewhere on messages. Morgan Williams is not a left back. Um, Darren Sarr can say he's a left back all day long. He's not. Um, he sort of got completely done by Sean Scannell. Um, Sean Scannell sort of cut inside again. I'm not sure which the... It might have been Barkley. He sort of cut past Barkley and hit a left foot shot, which um, was straight at um, Grant Smith. And um, unfortunately, again, Grant Smith had a bit of a an error and uh, the ball sort of went through him as such and went under his legs and... Um, into uh, the back of the net, sadly. And yeah, um, the Thatcher's gold terrace, there was lots of groans and, and moans as, uh, as you know, you've both been on, on that at the same, you know, over the years. Um, you can already feel that, right, that was, could have been game over after nine minutes. <laughs> that was the thing that we heard from Tuesday night at Dagenham was that when, we did when they did score, and they obviously scored earlier Dagenham than than Grimsby did. That you could clearly see the players' heads drop. That's what Ian said. Uh, again, I'm only going off what I heard from Sheridan and uh, and Sam on the commentary. But there was a suggestion that the players' heads didn't drop in the same way. Um, the stadium feeling might have dropped. Did you sense that? I, I, I would agree there. I thought the players. Um, again, because I didn't see Tuesday night, I can't really comment. But um, yeah, it didn't feel like they their heads dropped. Um, Smith was obviously disappointed with his with his error. He knew that he'd made a mistake. Um, but it felt like the players went right. Come on, then let's get back on with it. Um, and we continued to, you know, we continued to have a lot more of the ball. You know, in the first like the first half. And to be fair, most all the game, we had a lot of the ball. You know, we did have a lot of the ball. We didn't really give Grimsby too much, you know, too much really, but we just didn't do anything with it. You know, Grimsby were happy for us to have the ball in, you know, the back part of the, you know, in the midfield, knocking the ball about. And then when we did try to attack, they sort of mopped mopped it up quite comfortably, really. But yeah, their heads didn't drop this time, which was good. Um and we'll go on to it, but, um, you know, probably fairly soon after um, a long ball over the top from the Grimsby, Grimsby lad where, again, the ball was going, in, you know, was coming into the wind mm. and it sort of dropped over um, Wilco's head um, and their player ran onto it and he thought he was certain to, uh, to score. And then um, I'm sure we'll go on to it, but Wilco then fouled. Um, you thought it was a penalty, didn't you? It was in yeah. the box, wasn't it? Yeah. It was in the box. Um, Wilco might have got a little bit of the ball, but the only reason he might have got a little bit of the ball was because he went completely through um, their their striker. Um, and it looked a, a nailed-on penalty. And the ref even... Um, the ref put his... Even lifted his whistle to... to put his whistle to his lips, and I thought, here we go, here's a pen. And then he didn't give it. And he pointed to the ball, didn't he? Sheridan and Sam were saying he pointed to the ball, which obviously was in the vicinity of the penalty spot. So they thought 
it had been given as a foul, but then it was like, oh, it hasn't. So, yeah, yeah. It was for me. For me, without my green tinted glasses on, it was um, it was a penalty. Yeah. I would have said, really. I think we we definitely got away with that one. Very much so, in my opinion. Yeah. This is cheerful, isn't it? Yeah. Does anyone <laughs> know any jokes? Does anyone know any one-liners? Has anyone got any jokes for us? Foxy's got a joke. All you need to do is watch me on uh, on my pointless episode. And that's <laughs> joke. Might, have to, might have to crack that yeah. up. Yeah, might have to. <laughs> yeah. Dave, we'll have any, to... any any jokes? Any one-liners? Just to cheer the, cheer the mood up. I haven't. I haven't. Isn't that isn't that why we have Ian? Isn't that uh, what yeah. he's there for? <laughs> he's there for the light comedy beforehand. He's a warm-up man. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Uh, I know Ben has got his uh, his bulging briefcase. Of... Oh, I, I thought I thought you were going to say Ben has got his briefcase of stats. Then, oh, yeah, a, a I was going to say bulging briefcase. Of oh, stats. bulging! I thought you were going to say jokes. All oh, right, I'd, I'd, no, like, do, no. do, you, do you want me to crack out the one-liners? Uh, um, well, yeah, yeah, if you've got any, you know, um, we're struggling at the minute. Uh, did you um, did you hear about the guy that got hit on the head with a bottle of Omega Three oil? I didn't, Ben. No. No, yeah, he sustained superficial oil injuries. <laughs> oh dear. I'm sorry, folks. If you hadn't switched off before, switch off now. <laughs> if at any point this gets a bit down in the dumps again, I can just crack another one out if you want. Yeah, just yeah, say, just, just say, Ben, give us a joke. I've got like a bank of one-liners. Right. We can we can we can have them. Um yeah, so let's let's talk goals, specifically the Oval Town goals. It won't take long. So, Yeovil Town, as it stands, are the second lowest goal scorers in the league. Kingsland may have lost yesterday, but they did score twice in defeat, which means they move on to 29. We sit on 28. Dover have 23. They're getting a bit close, aren't they, at Dover? Um, and I thought to myself, just how bad is 28 goals in a National League season so far with what is 12 games to go? I thought I would do some maths. So, last season, Barnett... Uh, were the lowest scorers in the league. They scored 37 goals. Now, bear in mind, games, um, were, obviously, last season was a bit different with the way it all, all, we only had 22 teams. Is that right? Was that the season before? Is it all rolling into one? Did Dover and Macclesfield both go last season? Hang on, let me check. Yeah, you, you, you're asking us here, aren't you? I know, yeah, yeah sorry. Without um, checking, I, 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 I wouldn't know. Anyway, well, Barnet, Barnet 37. Season before that, surely, we, that was the season that was obviously cut short. Uh, they scored 31. They were the lowest scorers. Go back further. Maidstone 37, 18, 19. Chester in 17, 18 scored 42 and were the lowest scorers in the league. 16, 17, North Ferriby scored 32. Every single one of those teams either were relegated or would have been relegated if it wasn't for the fact there was no relegation. Um, Dover are relegated um that i think was actually confirmed last week and i think everyone missed it but certainly confirmed yesterday trying to work out the maths minus four to try and catch 31 on older shots so dover are gone on 23 goals kingsland have, have, have overtaken us Eastleigh have only got 33 older shot have only got 33 and then you start getting a little bit higher than that the highest place team that really a low score as you'd say would be Altering in one place, uh, not altering, sorry. Um, South End have scored 35, they're two places above us, and that is you would consider a fairly low amount. Um, as we've talked about, goals specifically at home are 
horrendous. No home goal in the last three. Only 12 home goals all season. We have the highest away goal percentage in the division, 57% of all our goals have come on the road. Um, the stats are pretty dire, if truth be told. And it's not just about winning games of football at that point. When you start breaking it into home and away, I asked a question on the WhatsApp group yesterday. I said, 12 home goals. What does that work out per pound of a season ticket? And I just wondered, as someone who does go regularly, who is a season ticket holder, Foxy, you've seen 12 goals this season. How does that feel in terms of value for money? I didn't realise it was only 12 goals. And in the league. Through. I mean, in the you league. You think it in was more? League, in the league. Yeah, in the league. You know. In the league. I mean, you've had other moments. You had the week scored a few against Woking in the trophy. Um, we did beat Stevenage on home. So you've had a home moments. But if you just want to separate the league out for ease of ease of putting the stats together more than anything, 12 and, home league goals all season. And we've got five in the Somerset Premier Cup. Just so. And five in the Somerset Premier Cup. It, it, it just feels it's just quite worrying, really, when you when you've broken the stats down like that and you realise that it is only twelve goals. Um, you can see why the crowds are what they are, um, despite everything off the field. Um, you know, yes, I, I've been a season ticket old for twenty plus years, so I've been ingrained in it. And are you, I, are you that old? Are you, are you nearly as old as Dave? I'm nearly. Nearly, not far I'm, off. I'm not far off. I'm not far off. But not, I have to say, there's got to be some kind of medal, I think, for that, isn't there? Long service <laughs> award or something. We'll give Foxy a gold watch. I think, you, get, you get less for murder. Mm. Exactly. Um, I just feel that maybe... What's the word I'm trying to think? We've been, be careful. You're, it's a family show. It's a family show. Um <laughs> When you when your team is at home, fans turn up expecting to be entertained. Um, as a season ticket holder, you've already signed up for that for that season, so you're you've already paid your money. Um, so, to be honest, that season is what it is. Um, however, seeing obviously hearing twelve league goals. Me, me and my dad actually were walking back from the car and we were talking about the attendance um, uh, on the way back. And we said, well, if we weren't season ticket holders, what would be driving us to actually go and watch a game at the moment? You, you look at the league table, you see over a, a 14th, are we now, I think, in the league? Yeah. We're we're not going we're not going up, um, however positive anyone wants to be. Um, we're not going to go down. Uh, thank you very much, Weymouth, um, for that. Um, what incentive would there be for people to to go and watch if we were scoring loads of goals and you were winning or losing games three two? We were winning four nil that you would see people turning up. But at the moment, we're, we're not. And whether it feels that our style of play at home, obviously, is diff a lot different to our style of play away. You know, away from home, we're a bit counter-attacky um, because the pressure, or usually the, the pressure um, of a home team is to entertain your, entertain your public. 
the problem is is that we haven't at the moment really got the quality to entertain our public. We've got some players that have quality, um, you know, Tom Knowles, Charlie Wakefield, um, I would say is the two main, and I would even probably go as far as Jordan Barnett, where he's got a bit of quality about him. But we've also, at the moment, we've got workman-like players. You know, we all love Josh Staunton. He's a workman-like player. You know, he does his job and, you know, and that's it. But we've not got anything really, in my opinion, creative in our in our attacking play. Um, whether we need to maybe change formation and instead of playing three up front, where our two creative players, the Wakefield and Knowles, maybe drop them further back into a midfield, into a, a 4-4-2 and get them pushing down the wings a bit more and getting someone up front. But let's be honest... Um, Darren's um, Darren's already clearly stated that we have only got really Olamola up front. Looking at the the bench yesterday, Yusuf didn't come on, and Reed wasn't anywhere to be seen. Um, and it, it's just a worry. It's a worry, to be honest. I can't see where our goals are coming from at the moment. We we weren't playing to Olamola's strength yesterday. Um, and I, it's, it's, it felt yesterday that um, we could have been playing till next Tuesday at home, at home to Bromley, and we still wouldn't have scored. Yeah, Jerry if, um, said something on commentary about you'd need you. We need more than ninety minutes to score, didn't you? If um, if you are going to the Bromley game, by the way, don't get there fifteen minutes late because of the twelve goals we have scored at home this season, we've scored five of them in the first fifteen minutes which means from 15 to 90 minutes, our home fans have seen seven league goals this season. And I think I mean, we need another one-liner. Um, uh, <laughs> did you hear about the chameleon who couldn't change colour? No. He had a, he had a reptile dysfunction. <laughs> I'm just writing all the titles down here. This is, this is going to be a list of the titles, yeah. So... Um, it's, it's difficult, and we, we we have to talk about players. You've alluded to a little bit there. Um, our top scorer still plays for uh, Chesterfield. Yeah. Adi Yusuf officially has five. We know he doesn't. We know he only has three um, because two of them aren't his. Yeah. Uh, Knowles for Wakefield for Gorman two, and then a string of them on one: Barnett, Bradley, Low Everton, Olamola, Reed, and Staunton. Um, just to clarify, uh, Adi Yusuf, nothing was mentioned about him. Didn't come off the bench at all, but. It's widely thought he's not exactly in favour at the moment. Ruben Reed picked up a knock in training yesterday, and so was uh, so Sonny Blue Low Everson was preferred on the bench rather than Ruben Reed yesterday, Friday, whenever it was. Um, the manager did say, um, and if you read cleverscast.co.uk, you can see sort of a, a breakdown of the story. He said he might have to get a bit, what was the word? Experimental, Experimental yeah. With, with things at the moment, season's done and dusted. What, what do we think? What do we think that that looks like? Are we going to start seeing a four-two-four? Are we just going to chuck them all on? Go nuts, Olamola, Yusuf, and Reed all at once on the pitch. I, 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 what does experimental look like? Uh, coming up against a Dover side who are now officially relegated, whether or not it was last week or this week, I don't really know. Um, and who <laughs> gave us a game and got one of their very few points against us this season? What? What? How? How are we experimenting? What? What do we think that looks like? 
the point that you made about experimental was in relation to a question that Sheridan asked about it being three at the back, wasn't it? And whether it was three at the back or whether it wasn't. So maybe that's an option. It sounds like Luke Wilkinson has been playing with an injury. He was another one that he said been playing with an injury. And he has, I think he said, passed the precipice. So presumably gone from got a bit of a knock to he is actually injured. So whether we do the completely crazy thing of playing Morgan Williams as a centre-back um, or and then, you, you know, you have uh, other players who can can play forward, presumably. Who would you have at the back? So you'd have Barkley, Williams, Little as a, as a back three, maybe, if that was going to be a back three. I'm guessing Max Hunt hasn't spoken about for a few weeks, um, mostly because Ben hasn't been to the press conferences, so there's no one there to ask a sensible question. So, um, but yeah, presumably something like that, that would then give you more opportunities to, to, to go for. But we've said it on here. They said it on commentary yesterday. I think Darren Siles kind of said it. What have we got to lose by just going out and uh, and, and 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 attacking teams? I mean, we can't score for love and the money. Um, so just just go for it. Like you say, it's Dick um, Jordan Barnett in a more advanced position. Give well, suddenly they all want Jordan Barnett up front. I've been chirping. But no, it for no, months. no, I don't. Th- I didn't. Suddenly didn't say they all up. want him up front, Chris. I didn't See? say up front. I said a more advanced Practical position. Genius over here. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, not scouting and. This is the thing. I mean, I can't understand, and um, I know it's a question that that we've got. Uh, how we can be such a different? Because I feel like I'm, I've you know, like hallucinated the games that I've seen away from home. Because the games I've seen away from home just, just does not add up to what it is. Um, what it is at home? Uh, it's just. Did I say home then? Games I've seen away don't match up to the what I'm hearing is is being played at home. And I asked a question to Ian. Uh, on our WhatsApp um, yesterday, and he was saying it's the atmosphere, it's huge part. If you're playing in a morgue, then you're going to, you know, play like dead people. So may- maybe that is, um, maybe that's what it is. But we're away from home next Tuesday, uh, next uh, Saturday. Sorry, stick them out there, mm. go attack, play three at the back, do whatever. What what have we got to lose? Is it time to get Ben Johnny in? <laughs> ben Johnson, senior or junior? Eat both. Yeah, him, both. you and Pollock. Yeah, all in. Yeah. Finley yeah. Skiverton, get them we, all in. We, we need to, well, yeah. Finley, Finley plays for street now, mate. Finley's and he on, scored yesterday. He did score yesterday. Um, yes. Do we need to give Ben Johnny Jr. some important warm up minutes ahead of the odd down SPC semi? That's all I'm thinking. We need to get some minutes in the, bo- in the boots for these players. He hasn't played. He hasn't played. This, uh, oh no, he came on, didn't he? As sub in the last uh, SBC yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. Um. Should we go on to questions? I know we haven't uh, asked Ben to try and um, pronounce the um, scorer of the second goal, but I have looked up actually. On he used to play for Sheffield Wednesday, and on a Sheffield Wednesday um, message board, uh, it suggests uh, using his name to the. The, the tune of Scouting for Girls, She's So Lovely. So, Diz a Rough Wee. Diz a Rough Wee. Diz a Rough Wee. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um... <laughs> well, with, with the second goal, before we do move on to questions, again, it was okay. it was just defensive. We were trying goal. to keep people listening there. Folks. I know. I am sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. But he had the freedom of the, the six-yard box. 
in the end from a corner. <laughs> yeah. If if yeah. the if the clearly look the players clearly heads are dropping, um, confidence is shot to pieces. Gaffer's talked about the spark a couple of times. Talked about getting Chan Lee into to to rattle a few and, and to spark a bit. Clearly, that's not going to come on the pitch anymore. How do you how do you force that? Does that come off the pitch? Does that come from somewhere else? I, I don't understand how you. I don't know what the next bit is. I don't know what the next so, step on the road to recovery and turning this frigging U boat round. Listening. Go on, Fox. I was, I was going to ask a question. Do you feel that with the... You're not understood... here to ask questions, you're here to answer them, all right? I know. Remember your place. Do you feel <laughs> with the uncertainty around player contracts that that is, you know, players at the moment are just trying to play out the season as such? With a lot of them out of contract, uh, obviously with the issues that we're hearing with the, you know, with... See, you know, there's a, a takeover that's been in the pipeline for about five years, but it's what it feels like anyway. Do you feel that the uncertainty over where the players feel that they're going to be playing next season, they're not putting everything into it? If you were playing for a contract, would you perform the way that they have? And, and, and I guess you're saying psychologically they're shot and therefore that's why they're making mistakes. Um, because they're worried about what the future is going to be. And but. I think I, I think it's not just about playing for a contract with us. If, if they're putting them. themselves in the shop window, Charlie Wakefield's yeah. good enough to be in League Two. If he walks away for nothing in the summer, him, his agent, his mum, his dog, whoever else has got to go to football league clubs and go, look at what my kid can do. Look at what this mm. guy can do. Um, even when the season was over, in March, he was still putting in these performances, still trying to give everything. He's definitely worth a contract to your place. And for what it sounds like, it sounds like we weren't chucking the towel in. It just felt a bit lethargic. It felt a bit yeah, exasperated and, and, and knackered and, and all the rest of it. And we, we talked again about the manager mentioned about the small squad. I'm going to call him out on his 18 player statistic because I'm not sure that's quite correct. But um, we, he hasn't we counted the- Dion Pereira there, is he? It's 18 regular players. I know what he means. It's one of them where out of context, written on a page, I've only used 18 players this season. You're wrong. You've named 31 in matchday squads. But as I was having a slight heated debate with Ian yesterday, you could probably rule out 10 or 11 of those. Max Evans, Ollie Hayes, Dion Pereira, uh, Dyer, Seymour, Mitch Rose even. There's only a couple. You know, you could, you could rattle out about 10 of them. The keeper, Barnes, Headley. You could rattle 10 or, 10 or 11 of those out. And you and, just have. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I get what he's saying, but mathematically he wasn't absolutely correct. Um, and I was having a look, actually. I did more math, did more stacks. Briefcase reopening. Of players this season to have played outfield players, outfield players to have played more than two thousand minutes in the league this season, we have five um, this season. That is a little bit above average, but it's by no means the by no means the most. Boreham would have eight outfield players that have played over two thousand minutes this season, and they're doing quite well. Um, three others have seven: Notts County, Woking, and Wrexham, and then a number of others have five as well: Eastleigh. Halifax and Wealdstone, the lowest made uh, Maidenhead and Chesterfield, two each. And Barnett actually have only had two. So, you know, he makes a valid point that we are running our players into the ground and we have had a slightly different schedule and all the rest of it. Two stinking away games with a force game in the middle of it that we didn't really want to play. 
So I, I get it. Um, but all these factors are obviously leading to it. So again, back to my question, how, how do you then get that spark going off the field? We've done things like it was a good thing to see all those kids teams there. Good thing to put Pat Custard on the front of the program. Huge shout out to Pat legend yeah. as per usual, you know, you can do these little things, but what's the next spark? Would it help if hypothetically this podcast is out of date because we hear Charlie Wakefield signed a new two year deal? Would that help? Would that make everyone go, Oh, Oh, that's good. Would that help? I don't, I don't know. I'm just hypothetically throwing it out there. So can I go back to our first season in the National League and a trip to Wrexham, where Wrexham were obviously pre-Hollywood and uh, we drew three all there. Reese Murphy scored that trip. But I had a conversation with a Wrexham fan in the pub before that game about Wrexham. Now, I say pre-Hollywood, they'd been out. They'd, they'd been a football league club for such a long time, history, FA Cup games, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they'd spent, I don't know how many seasons they've had at, uh, at this level, but it's a lot. He basically just, I remember him saying to me, I'm just tired of it. Everyone's just tired of it. They are, are, were obviously still getting good crowds because, you know, other than Chester, there's not a great deal else to go to around there as far as football teams are concerned. Saying they've got average managers, average players who are coming in doing a workmanlike job, finishing mid-table every season for, I can't remember, like 10 or 12 seasons or whatever it is they've had in there. Nothing felt like it was doing anything. They, they, had, they had enough of an infrastructure. They, they were good enough players and good enough managers to just see the season through. Um, they, and I say they, they, they were looking back to their history about things that they'd done and that Mickey Thomas free kick against Arsenal those years ago. And that, that's all they had was their past. That, to me, feels horribly like us. We, we, we spend our days looking and don't worry, I, I, I don't deny I love it looking back at what we were um, and we're not as big as Wrexham. Wrexham, mm. even at their lowest, get much bigger crowds than we do. Um, got much better infrastructure than we do. The, the thing that sparked Wrexham is something that's happened off the pitch. Now, I'm not saying that two Hollywood actors are going to turn up at Hewish Park and, and want to take over, over the club, but we spent, even when we were in the league, we our everything off the pitch was non-league. We've always been a non-league club off the pitch. And, and that's not a criticism of all the people who work really hard. Um, but it, it's, I think it's a mindset, isn't it? And it, and it comes, from, comes from the top. And uh, say the previous owners, before you look at um, uh, John Goddard Watts, if you go back that far, past him, you had Norman Haywood, who for everything that I would criticise Norman Haywood for, and there's a bit, he always put his hand in his pocket, wrote a check at the end of the season. Um, and, you know, we were kept us on an even kill. John Fry, again, for all his faults, he was a good man. He was a supporter. He was a good person, I still think, to, to have at the club. Made mistakes, yes, no question about it. This owner, uh, and we can keep coming back to the owner, uh, shows me nothing that says that that he cares doesn't doesn't attend okay yeah if he attended what benefit would it would it bring turned up for the Bournemouth game when the TV cameras were there so can we read anything into that I would read something into that to me 
it needs a, a spark from the top. And I don't think the top is Darren Sal. I don't think the top is the base of the diamond. I don't think the top is got to come from the beginning. There needs to be a John Goddard Watts or somebody like that who has some kind of vision and some kind of plan. And for too long, we haven't had that plan. And we're Wrexham. That's what we are. We're Wrexham two seasons ago. So once James Purefoy turns up from Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're listening, James. I think I put a bet on him years ago to actually be the next James Bond. I've got the same bet, yeah. Have yeah. you? <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> no. I'm going to say, don't ask, for ti- don't ask these two for tips for Cheltenham, I don't think. No. Right. <laughs> I uh... think you're spot on, though. I think with that, Dave, you are spot on. You are spot on exactly. That's exactly how I, how I feel that we are where we are at the moment. Mm. And whether it is, you know, it has been obviously where we had our ups and ups and ups, where obviously, you know, we were having some great days, home and away. Um, obviously, that's how I met both of you. Um, and then we've obviously had our rough seasons the last uh, few years. And like you say, at the moment, it does feel that we, you know, we are a mid-table team. There's no way about it. There's no two ways about it in the moment. Um, and unless a spark comes off the pitch, I think it's going to stay that way. Unless we beat Dover, you know, 4-0 next week. Um, Ruben Reed might get a hat-trick. You never know. Pigs. Don't uh, ask Foxy for tips, no. <laughs> pigs are flying over my, uh, my, my flat at the moment. But, yeah, it just feels that we do need something, I think, at the moment. I think it feels like, you know, obviously we're... There's only three of us on on this today, but I would imagine that people listening will also feel exactly the same way of the way the club club is at the moment. There's just it feels a bit yeah. yeah. Feels, a... I don't know about you, but I feel helpless. Yeah, that's the overriding feeling, and I think Ian Ian said lots of questions that, that just... come in that yeah. um, say, "What do we do now? What can we do now?" As <laughs> as supporters and um, and. Ian is, wrote, is the answer is the answer one liners because that's about all I got. Yeah, yeah. Go on, we give could, us another. Give us another. <laughs> I, we could uh, go to the winter. <laughs> I uh, I spotted an albino Dalmatian the other day. At least oh, I yeah. could do for it. <laughs> oh dear, I had to stop and think about that one for a second. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, um, Ian's not here, but I, I do want to read out something that he posted on his Twitter if nobody follows Ian on Twitter or if you're not on Twitter at all, because there was something which probably summarises what he would be saying if he um, if he did think so. I'll read this quick because it's quite long, uh, over several tweets. Um, I genuinely do not know what else we can do. How do you get answers from an individual who doesn't want to spend any time at the club? How do you engage with someone who has zero interest in engaging? A whole community, a club with 125 years plus of history, is being throttled from within. Was this always the plan? Did he think he could run a football club like this? Is he either very stupid or very intelligent, but as a custodian, he is totally negligent? I'm concerned for the future of YTFC tonight today i'm sure he's still concerned um i feel we've reached that apathetic stage of the season the club's on his knees the staff who keep things going must be demoralized as must the players and the coaching staff we need certainty and it can't come soon enough but how do you mobilize against a ghost there you go 
that we, we put ourselves on mute, but they were definitely applauding then, I'm sure, at the, uh, at the end there, it stood up. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that have come in uh, in responses to that. Adam Skinner says we need to be putting, putting in plans and mobilising as supporters. If we want a club to support, then we must be pre proactive, not reactive. We cannot afford to wait for administration before we decide to raise cash. We need a supporters group to begin raising funds now. And former and current Yeovil Town players, again, a Twitter account, not the actual players, say totally agree. So is that what we need to do? Do we need to start a crowdfunder and raise our, you know, we put 50 grand in for the, for the club. I know, you know the owner has forgotten about that and he's put every penny in, but um, we all put our hands in our pockets for that. Is that the kind of thing we need to do? Has anyone got a spare, what was it, 2.8 million quid lying around? Like we apparently going to get for the, you know, we're not... <laughs> Well, well and good chucking a tenner in, but yeah. we're talking about serious money here. Like, yeah. fine, you can shake your buckets as much as you like, fine, but I don't know where you pluck three million quid out for one bit and however many hundreds of thousands out for the other bit from. And then what happens if you don't need it? Where does all that money go? Do you get it back? <laughs> Is mm. it no win, no fee? What, what's, what's, what's the deal here? Um, it sounds lovely. Sounds wonderful. I don't know the practicalities of it. Um, and we have a supporters group who appear to have done that, who appear to have tried to rally troops. I'm assuming all these people who want these things are members of, of groups and trusts and all the rest of it. That have The leaders. one who responded in that way may have been a member of the trust board. At the time well, great. Least, great. Then. In that yeah. case, those people are in prime position to try and do those things, yep. not just shouting about it from a social media standpoint. Fine. If that's what a group wants to come together and do, and has the member numbers to do that fine but we're not talking we're not talking monopoly money here we're talking real cash and real serious sums of cash i haven't got that kind of cash lying around i can chuck a tenner in a pot i can throw my change in whatever it may be but you know what difference is that going to make to me i don't, I don't know i don't know oh and also people talk about administration and stuff are we there yet we don't know we we, we, we don't know we have absolutely no idea we might be we we were told that joe quigley sold for a six-figure fee and that was just an anecdotal throwaway line in the manager's post-match press conference. That's either 100,000 or 999,999 pounds. We don't know because no one's frigging told us. And if we, we just don't know. We don't know if administration is on the door. We, that was a question that somebody had asked. How bad do you think things are financially? And, and, and are we even close to administration? And this is what happens when you have a void of information. People hear the wrong thing the chinese whispers start and suddenly people are going oh we're going bust are we yeah are we going bust who knows we're paying four people full-time members of staff we're paying the final few months of a whole bunch of contracts well are we going bust in a few months we'll have no players on the books anyway so that's a considerably cheaper way of operating things if you haven't got any people so we don't know <laughs> we simply don't know if we assume that we've only got two options, then let's assume that's not an option. And I'm not saying it's not, but at the moment, you know, short someone mobilising something like that's not. So our two options are the takeover. I think Foxy, you were very generous with five years there. I can see that. What a woman from Titanic popping up on a GIF again, can't you? Been 84 years, or it feels like longer. So that's that's one option, isn't it? The takeover. Who knows? Julian Jenkins, if you're listening, tell us um, or tell us if you can. Or do, do something the other option is and let's put preconceptions aside 
let's say Scott Priestnell has, as he said in his pre one of his previous recent statements, uh, his last statements, um, fallen in love with this club and uh, and wants nothing more than than good things for us. Um, as he said when he set his seven day deadline for the takeover to be complete, that he had a, a long term vision utilising the on and off the field assets of the club, or words to that effect. Um, let's assume that that meant the council, the £2.8 million that's in South Somerset District Council's budget, uh, and, and that's going to go go back in, into the club. If, if this takeover isn't going to happen, and as every minute and day passes, I, I become less and less convinced that it is, again, somebody prove me wrong, please, um, then is selling the ground i'm i'm against the idea of selling your only asset but is selling the ground to the council making that money and absolutely most importantly that money being guaranteed cast iron locked in a vault if there is a vault in hewish park in the club for the club not fretted away through whatever whatever process is that the best plan because the takeover doesn't look doesn't doesn't feel to me like it's um it feels to me like it's the best plan, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. So are we wasting our time waiting for something that's never going to happen? Who knows? We don't know. <laughs> we don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just don't know any of these things. We just don't know because nobody's willing to stick their head above the uh, the precipice and go, yes, no, maybe. You know, even, there's no even... deal being done, is there? I mean, I, I, I agree with not saying something unless there's something to say, but for crying out loud, I mean, I'm no businessman, but how long can these things take? Honestly, all this due diligence, this and due diligence, that. Uh, there must be lawyers. You know, the lawyers should take over. If there's the lawyers making this much money for months and months of due diligence, put the lawyer in charge. Yeah. Okay. Strange, isn't it? We just we just don't know any of these things. Yeah. We, it, it, that's not just Simmel that comes out of this looking particularly iffy. It's not just Scott that comes out of this looking potentially iffy. Even when we asked the council yeah. for information on on that on that deal, they just kind of went balls in their court. Great, brilliant. Send me back to the guy who doesn't say anything. Yeah. You know, we don't get any communication from anywhere, despite our best efforts. And I think that's where the helplessness comes in and the feeling of, well, what do we do now? Yeah. Well, we are kind of answering questions as we go here, and I do want to get to some of these questions because there's a lot of people that have asked that. What do we do next? We've, we've, uh, uh, hopefully, well, I don't know if we've answered it, but we've hopefully responded to it there. Um, uh, Clevo and others I know have asked, what's the incentive for supports to renew or buy season tickets next season? Foxy, you're a season. I haven't got season older. ticket details yet. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's I mean? it. <laughs> I mean, because other, other, other clubs have put theirs out. Yeah, because like, all the uncertainty. Just this is ridiculous. Put the prices out. We know what division we're in. It should have been done weeks ago. But again, no, we wait. We sit. This is a, that's an injection of cash. Yeah. It's like you, it's, it's, it's like they don't want money. Make them make them really good. Make them a hundred quid a pop. All everywhere. Everyone's a hundred quid a pop. And I bet people will take advantage, even in this situation. They're all a hundred quid. And you get an injection of cash. I don't know the numbers and whether or not that's financially viable or whatever. But if you have this standout super duper price of every seat in the building is 100 quid. Fine. But it's something. It's a spark. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about the Titanic meme. I'm just the meme of the, the random stick drawing, poking another thing saying, do something. Mm. Do something. You know what I mean? Like, 
I'm not a season ticket holder. They're a hundred quid. I'll probably text my dad going, do you want one? hundred quid? Go halves on it? Whatever it may be. I don't know. I just, I can say, yeah, Fox, you can come in here as the actual season ticket holder, but what, what are you missing out from at the moment, apart from an actual price list? For me, um, it's getting harder and harder. Obviously, I know Clevo's, um, you know, asked about what incentives there are. Um, it is getting harder and harder to, A, justify um, the spend. Um, obviously, with as we all know, way the world at the moment, prices are going up and up and up and up and up. Um, will I be getting a season ticket? Yeah, I probably will be. Um, but for me, the main reason for that is that myself and my dad have been going for 20 plus years. It's something that me and my dad do together. Um, obviously, it's something that we both enjoy doing together and spending time together. The football gets in the way of it a little bit. As such, you know, you have some good times, you have some bad times, you know. The good times, I remember, you know, when the Sheffield United game, running on the pitch, having a photo of my dad in the goal mouth, that's the good times. Hmm. Um, and that's the good times of supporting the club. Obviously, we've had bad times supporting the club and obviously other clubs have had lots of um, bad times as well. But you still get those fans. The incentive for me at the moment, if season tickets came out, um, I would probably be waiting until the deadline, as I did as I did the previous year. I waited and waited and waited until literally a couple of days before the deadline to um, do it. And I knew I was gonna I knew I was gonna buy a season ticket. Clevo knows he's gonna buy a season ticket. Um, it's it's something that. You people like to do on a Saturday. We moan and groan about it. We moan and groan about the performances. We moan and groan about the club, etc., etc. But the the football club is in our hearts. It's as simple as that. Obviously, over the years we have lost a lot of fans. A lot of fans are doing other things now, um, and that's their you know that's their choice. That's their opinion. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a tough decision though if things stay the way that they are and we hear nothing from our esteemed donor um, on his plans for the football club or if there is a takeover that happens and if this takeover does miraculously happen, Simul Sports have probably got an awful lot of work to do oh. now to bring fans back. I saw a I think it was on. Um, the, the Facebook forum um, last night, um, you know, what what would it take, you know, what would it take to to bring fans back? I think Simul Sports, if they do, they're going to have an awful lot of work to do. I really do at this moment in time. A lot of fans are just fed up and have walked away because of what's happened over the past couple of years, which is a really sad, which is really sad to, to see if I'm honest, because I've made a lot of friends um, through the club, going up and down the country, um, watching games. And there's a few that I don't see anymore because they don't go. Um, you know, I personally, um, you know, I go, I, when I, I went to away games every weekend, every, every, every weekend. But, you know, always spent some time with you both up in 
up in some echelons somewhere, you know, some random ground, Rochdale. I, w- I wouldn't call Rochdale or Hartlepool an echelon, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, you <laughs> Just know a what long mean? way away. It's good to chat with, with, with people, you know, people you don't see anymore. Mm. You know, obviously, yeah. the only times I've seen you both recently is where you've come down to Hewish Park because I, I haven't got the... Um, at the moment, I just haven't got that drive to get on a coach, drive up, get on a train to spend an, a day at, at the, you know, at another away away ground, and that's a, that's a sad state of affairs. Where, you know, admittedly, obviously it was a championship. I think I missed four games all season, home and away, but now life gets in in the way. That's that. That is it. And like I said, it it may take if the takeover does happen, like Ben said, um, it may take that season tickets need to be 100, 150 quid to get fans back in that stadium, because at the moment I can't see any other way that it's going to get fans back in involved. Okay. Can we get? Uh, we, we have got a few more questions here, and, and we are, like I say, we are answering these as we go through about where we go and what season ticket situation. But there's a there's a few others about more on the pitch um, issues. This is probably one for just Ben and I from from Chris Payne a few weeks ago. You, as in, I think you and I, Ben. I don't think Foxy did. We might Uh-oh. have done. Um, you. <laughs> you went through the squad and considered if they should be kept on for next year. Have your opinions changed on any players? If I remember rightly, I remember you saying everyone but Adi Yusuf, I think you said it. this might yeah. have been your post. Uh, yeah, I did. I did say everyone but Adi Yusuf and, and probably I'm not a million miles away from that. As we've said countless times, it's it's a very good team, isn't it? it needs a bit of depth, needs a bit of quality elsewhere. We need to add a couple of strikers. I think having, I still think Ruben Reed has a part to play. Look, something's clearly not right there. One start, 15 sub appearances, one goal from Ruben Reed. I'm not happy with it. I'm fuming with it. But he offers, I mean, clearly, there was a question last week and the one that I missed. You know, if you had a choice of one or the other, very easy answer is Ruben Reed. The only the only question mark for me this season is Ruben Reed. Yeah. You know, on, on top of Adi Yusuf, who would be on the first. I'd be kicking him out the door first. And, and I just think that with Reed, he's obviously going to be one of the top earners because he is an experienced player. Yeah. For me, there's no value for money there. And and I am still angry about that moment at the end of the Knox Cowick game, mm. um, even now. Um, but for me, that's um, uh, he's not value for money. And for, that would be the, the, the change I would make. Uh, there, is, there, is, there is a group of, of four or five that you want, that you would build. Yeah. If you had to build a new squad around, you could yeah. build a new squad around. I'd keep Grant Smith, even with a couple of errors he's made. I'd keep mm-hmm. him all day long. I'd keep yeah. Josh Staunton. Yeah. Um, I'd definitely keep Knowles and Wakefield, if you can. Yeah. And I, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I'd keep Dale Gorman as well. I think he keeps the games ticking over in midfield. And uh, from what I've seen away from home, at his most effective, I'd definitely keep him as well. And then the others, if Jordan Barnett might sneak into that group as well to make a six. Um, but if Mark Little at the end of the season did disappear, I'd be disappointed because I think he had something. But yeah, if Matt Worthington finally called time on his Yeovil career and went off to be the best player at Eastleigh or the best player at another club locally, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'd kind of be like, eh, OK, 
I'm not going to lose sleep if Reed and Yusuf both leave. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose sleep if Morgan Williams ends up leaving, but I want him to stay. I'm not going to lose sleep if, I'm not going to lose sleep if Luke Wilkinson disappears. I want him to stay. I'd give him a new deal. But if you're looking at trying to build a proper squad for the future, I think you've got five or six there that you'd be hanging your hat on. And then if you can get Wilco for another year, if you can get Ben Barkley on a permanent, if you can get Max Hunt on another year, if you can get these players, then you're starting to build. But there are, there's that group of five or six for me that I think are absolutely vital. I think there's a, a core group of others underneath that you want, and I do want, but at the moment there's only probably two that I don't want. I would add Lawson Diaf into that group as well. It's oh, just, well, oh it, yeah, yeah, sorry. It, it, yeah, I mean, we, we've said it before, haven't we? Even if he plays 60% of games in a season because his injury record won't allow him to do anything else, I'd still have Lawson Diaf for 60% of the season. Yeah, fair. Sorry. Yeah, he hit yeah. my mind, but he's definitely one you would Yeah, you but and Max Hunt, you mentioned Max Hunt there. He's one that we seem to have all forgotten about, don't we? Because he's obviously still out injured. Hmm. I think he's someone that we've really missed. Yeah, yeah it, it feels like that, doesn't it? I think Ben Barkley came in and did well, did really well. But when you're asking a lot of Luke Wilkinson to be able yeah. to take Wilco out, you know, I feel a lot better about chucking Max Hunt in on Saturday alongside Ben Barkley. If he's fit, yeah. If he was fit, you know, instead we're going to go with Williams, who hasn't played at centre-back for a while, or possibly even Staunton, as they try and manage his hernia, put him in defence and try and make him run a bit less. So, mm. well, I felt we... I did feel we played better actually going back to the game when Staunton moved into uh, the centre back position yesterday. We looked a bit more solid mm. as well. Um, got a few more questions. Uh, got one from Hughish Hugh. Um, slightly tricky one. <laughs> Thanks, Hugh. Um, as uh, while some clubs are open that they are full on part, full or part time, others are rather coy about their exact status. But what? But would Yeovertown be in the relegation zone in a non-league Premier full-time club table? I think, looking at the table, the only part-time team that is above us in the ta- in, in division is Old Trigger. And they obviously went up above us yesterday. Because I think part-time teams in this division, and shout if you think of any others, are Old Trigger, Wealdstone, Maidenhead. Don't know about Old Shot, maybe. Weymouth, Kingsland and Dover. And all of those, apart from Altrincham, are below us. Yeah, so, I think that's right. Yeah. So if it was a so if it was a a full time league, yes, yeah. I think we would. We'd be second. <laughs> We'd be second in it. Second bottom. Uh, well, no, because because it would be well Altrincham. Yeah. Uh, so he's asking say- for the he's asking for a full time league. So take all yeah. the part timers out. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right. Oh. So, is there any full timers below us? Just Barnet. Well, Barnet, Eastley, Woking. Oh, do we stay up then? Do we? Yeah, but we might be one place above. Yeah, because Woking are definitely a full time team. Eastley, I'm ninety percent certain are. Barnet definitely are. So those three will be the bottom three. I think we're fine, Hugh. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, on to some less um, mean, uh, less uh, serious questions. Robin Batchelor. Oh, good. Asked, I was running out of one-liners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still, we still need one to finish on. So, other thing. Um, Robin Batchelor, if you were to go and watch some football abroad, where would you go, and what team would you choose? I think I would choose either Venezia or Saint Paul, Saint Saint Pauli. Very hipster. Yeah. yeah. Very hipster, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so Robin is a hipster. Uh, Foxy, where would you go? And, um, and who? I've been to I've been to a few 
games abroad already. So I've actually yep. been and seen a game in Barcelona and Gosh. Real Madrid. And I suppose again, I've got one. I've got a stag do coming up. Uh, quite you know a, a stag do coming up, and uh, we're actually going to Milan, and we're actually going to watch Inter Milan uh, play. So that should be good. I, you know, I've always wanted to to, to see the San Siro. Obviously, San Siro is a iconic stadium. So. Uh, yeah, and it's going to get knocked down, isn't it? So that would be good. It's going to get knocked down, isn't it, San Siro? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that so that would so be that would be good to see. So it would be for me. It probably would be the San Siro. Nice. Yeah, you're going to live his dream. Yeah, San Siro would be high up my list as well, actually, considering it's going to get knocked down. Yeah, definitely. I've been to Camp Nou, but never to watch a game. I've only done the uh, the tours and stuff. Um, mm. I I saw a game in America. I saw the first ever New York derby between Red Bulls and New York City. Okay. Yeah, that was a strange experience. Very, very weird. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, in terms of stadiums that I would uh, I'd like to go to, I'd, I'd like to go to one in um, in South America, maybe like the mm. Maracanã in Brazil or um, Boca Juniors or something like that. I think in, in terms of a, a, an atmosphere, the the I've, I've been to uh, when I was at uni, I lived with two Greek lads. Um, and one of them was an Olympiakos fan. And he always used to tell me about the derbies there with Panathinaikos, the Athens derbies, were like uh, an atmosphere that you've never experienced. Uh, that, that for me, I've been to Olympiakos's ground. So to go back there and see that kind of atmosphere, I think uh, I'd probably pick, yeah, the, the Athens derby. Nice. Would be mine. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's all out of question. So before Ben um, sings us out or sees us out with uh, with another one-liner, maybe don't sing it, um, we will ask uh, if this podcast was a GIF, which GIF would it be? Please let us know. You can't pick the Titanic one. <laughs> okay, Ben, right. This is the grand finale. Do you want a drum roll? Uh, no, I, I want to say thanks to Foxy for joining us, though, on the podcast, whilst uh, Perkins has his, uh, yeah, has his fun on a Sunday morning. Um, yeah. Okay, so I've got I've got two, but I think one's a bit naughty, and I don't think we should say it. So I might say it, and I might ask Ian to edit it beyond the outro music. Okay, (laughs) now you've told everyone what's going to happen. Well, yeah. So kids, don't listen beyond the outro music. Um, I was in the park the other day, and a bloke, full on full frontal nudity, flashed a couple of old nuns. One had a stroke; the other one couldn't reach. Wow. And what's the other one? You said there was two. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Six minutes gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal! 